If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Will Weber is on the board. Willerskin booking the guests. In the newsroom, Dave Woodard and Jen McQueen. The China election interference story involving a liberal MP now suggested delay in the two Michaels release was at play to win. Who is okay with that? Here's Scott Thompson. Good afternoon. It is it is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. It is Hamilton today. Uh, welcome to the fun. Love to hear from you. Uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, number 151 on uh Rolling Stone, uh, top 200 singers of all time. Although, uh, nowhere to run, that seems to be apropos fitting today, uh, considering where, uh, the prime minister finds himself. Boy, what an embarrassing day for the, uh, president of uh, the United States to show up for a sleepover. Hi, we're here. Ding dong, ding dong. We're here. Hello. Oh no. What's going on? MPs. An MP uh, stepping down from the Liberal Party because of accusations uh, that, um, wow, this is a powerful one. And we talked about this yesterday. And, man, I'm still trying to process this. Um, but uh, Sam Cooper, Global News, and they've been on this for weeks, for years, for months. And Robert Fife from the Globe and Mail also. Uh, but give credit where credit is due. It's Sam that's, uh, that's got the leaker. He's got the source. Uh, not CBC, not CTV. And here's the other thing. So, well, is it true? Is it true? Uh, Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the NDP, uh, said this beautifully when he said, uh, how do you verify it? Well, you can. It's top secret. But the fact that nobody is denying it except for the immediate people involved, that speaks volumes. Because all the prime minister has to do is go to CSIS and say, what the hell is going on with this? And CSIS will say, you got the report, sir. Up to you. So CSIS can release it, but the prime like, let's be honest. It incriminates the prime minister. And he has benefited from it. So just unbelievable accusations. Uh, and in case you don't know, uh, MP Handong, MP for Don Valley North. This has been the writing that's been in question. Uh, there was an MPP there that was part of the Conservative Party uh, trying to, the, uh, the allegation is, soften the Conservative stance on the Chinese Communist Party. Handong, of course, uh, the MP for the Liberals. Uh, the MPP stepped down last week after this story broke like February 25th, and yet now now, the MP is just standing down when uh, Sam Cooper releases this other information last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, that basically said that uh, this MP was talking to the consul uh, uh, in Toronto, the Chinese consul in Toronto, and suggested that the two Michaels not be released or be detained longer until it works to the advantage of the liberals, because if they're released early, it works to the advantage of the conservatives. What? What? You're going to hold... Two Canadians in a Chinese prison till it benefits your election outcome? 
Of course, the prime minister knows nothing about this. And when these allegations surfaced um, back in, in February 25th that this was first mentioned, here's what the prime minister had to say. I want to make everyone understand fully that Han Dong uh, is an outstanding member of our team and suggestions that uh, he is uh, somehow not loyal to Canada um, should not be entertained. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, the rest of the media finally jumping on this global news story. CTV on their morning show asked point blank to the prime minister in a recorded interview earlier, did you know about China interference in the last two elections? And, and it's simple. Did you know? Did you? We've got a committee to look into that. You've got a committee to look into whether you know or not. You don't know if you knew. What the hell is that? Here's what Han Dong had to say about uh, him being attacked. To all my colleagues in the parliament, media reports today quoting unverified and anonymous sources have attacked my reputation and called into questions my loyalty to Canada. Let me be clear. What has been reported is false. And I will defend myself against these absolutely untrue claims. And uh, to his family and his supporters. To my constituents, I will continue to work on your behalf as your member of parliament. To my staff, I thank you. I know the days ahead will be difficult, but I will be there to support you as we continue to serve the people of Dalmali North. To my family, and in particular, my parents, who brought us here to Canada. To my wife, Sophie, and my kids, I love you. I thank you for all the support and love you gave me. The truth will protect us. Our honor and our family will get through this together. Sorry about that. Thank you, Speaker. <laughs> Uh, that is MP Handong uh, stepping down uh, last night. I have watched this video over a half a dozen times. I paused it. There are absolutely no tears coming from this man's eyes. At the very end, he puts his hand up to wipe his face. There's nothing to wipe away. There are no tears. They're crocodile tears. And the only reason this person is stepping down, the only reason the prime minister is even acknowledging it is because they got caught and the noose is continuing to tighten. As the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh, is putting a proposal, uh, a motion forward today that, hey, it's a public inquiry. And, then, and said, of course, he's not going to pull his, the plug on the government. And why should he <laughs> just ride this puppy out? It's only going to advantage everybody else. But how do you trust another election when this has been going on for the last two? Not one, but two. And the man who keeps asking what he knew says there's a committee to study what he knew. Can't you tell us what you know, what you knew? This is absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And for those who play team politics, whether it's on the left or the right, Man, 
we got to get a grip of this. And if I'm a liberal, I'm looking inward and saying, we got we to gotta fish or cut bait here. Because this, and when the, when, when the prime minister was asked about this back on February 25th, he brought up racism. This is the worst thing you could possibly do to Chinese Canadians who have come here for a better life, is pull this crap. And then play the race card? Oh my goodness. Wake up, Canada. Colin Linden, blow. Brand new stuff for him this Saturday, March 25th. Colin Linden performing songs, uh, songs off this album. You can catch the show, The Mule Spinner, Inside the Cotton Factory. What a great space this is. 11 Lans- uh, Lansdowne Avenue uh, in the Hammer. And joining us now, Colin Linden, singer, songwriter, guitarist, record producer, member of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, to name a few. He's with us now. Colin, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Doing great. Great to hear from you. This is, uh, we just saw you not too long ago in the Hammer with Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Uh, How many projects do you have going on at any given time? It's amazing trying to keep up with you guys. Well, there's a lot of different stuff going on, but it's sort of workflow. You know, I just try and work every day, except for, you know, maybe take a day off once in a while. And if there are people who want me to play guitar or write a song or make a record or do a show, that's the stuff I like to do. So, um, so I try and, you know, keep busy doing stuff I like. So I, and I've asked other musicians this. How do you decide when you've got lots of projects on the go like this? How do you decide when, or this material is going to go to this project? This material is going to go to that project. I'm going to save this one for mine and, and whatever. How do you decide? Does it all fit? How does that process work? It's usually pretty clear. I mean, if a song, if I'm going to bring a song to Blackie, I want it to be a song that Tom Wilson and Stephen Fearing are going to feel like it's their song, too. I want to feel like it's really something that they can relate to in a a real personal way as well. So a lot of the more blues-oriented stuff ends up on my own records, and the... uh, and uh, some of the more singer-songwriter stuff ends up on in, with Blackie. And also these days, you know, for Blackie, uh, we collaborate on a lot of the material. So it's sort of the last couple albums, you know, especially Tommy and I have written a lot of songs together. So uh, uh, so it becomes, it's not that hard a choice. Uh, but that's sort of what, what, what I keep in mind with it. Are you surprised of the success of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings and the one-off that has lasted so long? Well, it, it is, it's, it's a surprise that people would be interested in having us continue to do it. I mean, it's not a surprise to me that Tom and Stephen and I love sitting around playing Willie P. Bennett songs. Because hmm. we love, we loved Willie so much and we love those songs and we love playing music together. So that in itself isn't so surprising. Uh, it is kind of surprising that it's exceeded our dreams uh, on so many levels. So, uh, so it really is. It's a it's a it's a great thing, and uh, uh, you know, I, I for one just want to keep doing it as long as anyone's interested in listening. And probably, if nobody was, I would still want to keep on doing it just for ourselves. And and you know what? I got to do this right away so we make sure we get a winner. Uh, we've got a couple of tickets to Colin Linden's show coming up inside the Cotton Factory at the Mule Spinner uh, this Saturday night. So if you want to go, 905-645-3221, 905-645-3221. First one in gets them. All right, so uh, what can we expect uh, this weekend at the Cotton Factory? What a cool space to be playing in. 
it's such a wonderful space. I love being there, uh, and uh, uh, it's just such an interesting place. I mean, uh, we've rehearsed there for Blackie tours, and I've played the Meal Spinner a few times, and it's always it's just an inspiring sounding room and it's an inspiring place to hang out in. When I play by myself, I really cover a lot of territory in terms of, I've made 14 solo records and uh, I cover a lot of material. Uh, the newest album, Blow, uh, I do a bunch of the songs from that record and uh, it changes a little bit night to night, but, uh, but uh, it's, uh, you know, I just try and I try and uh, condense it, condense the orchestra to myself, uh, and or any myself to the side of the orchestra. There you go. Uh, any special guests planned this weekend? Well, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> uh, I, I hear that. I hear. Well, it's you know. I hear that my very good friend Gary Craig, uh, who's been playing drums with me for this year, it's thirty nine years. Uh, and of course he plays with Blackie and he plays on tons of records. Uh, he said he would try and make it out. And if he makes it out, I'm going to draft him to come up and play a little bit if he'd like. So, uh, so I hope Gary will be there. I, I know, uh, uh, you know, it's always, you know, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Who's going to show up? All right. Uh, we've only got about a minute left, but I got to ask you this. You know, you know, there's there's a lot going on in Colin Linden's career. There's a long heritage there. What stands out? I mean, is there a couple of things as you look back over the years that say, yeah, that was still pretty. As I look back at it now, that was still pretty cool. What, what stands out as memorable moments? It's uh, There's so many of them over the years. I mean, uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, in the last few years, uh, working on the, uh, on the national television show has been kind of big. Playing with Bob Dylan was really, truly a great dream come true. It was something mm-hmm. I always wanted to do. Uh, continuing on with Blackie, I've uh, done so much work in the last, uh, well, in the last month, but uh, over the last, uh, you know, 25 years or so with T-Bone Burnett, who is... Uh, such mm-hmm. a wonderful mentor and friend of mine. Uh, any chance I get to work with him is great. So through him, not only I got to do the Nashville thing, but uh, play with uh, Greg Allman and Cassandra Wilson and uh, uh, Diana Krall and uh, Rhiannon Giddens and all kinds of fantastic people. So that's really wonderful. But I have to say, I also love every chance I get to get up on stage by myself and just play my songs. So... You know, it's all, I feel lucky. Colin Linden, singer, songwriter, guitarist, record producer, member of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, and you can catch Solo uh, off of Blow, March 25th, Saturday, March 25th at the Cotton Factory. Inside there, you'll find the Mule, Sp- uh, Mule Spinner. Great place to see a show. Colin, thanks so much for taking the time. Have a great time this weekend, and we'll be listening always. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me on. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. We reported here yesterday about a global news report and uh, journalist Sam Cooper breaking a report that two separate anonymous national security sources alleged that in February of 2021, Liberal MP Han Dong of Don Valley North, who is at the center of the Chinese influence allegations, privately advised China's consular general in Toronto that Beijing should hold off freeing Michael Co. 
Hoberg and Michael Spavier, uh, as it would early, I guess, would um, would benefit the Conservatives. To talk more about all of this, and I'm sure his phone's been ringing off the hook, Sam Cooper, National Investigative Journalist for Global News, and with us now, Sam, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Sam, this is, uh, I, I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it when I read your uh, article and it came across late yesterday. I, I can't even imagine what the response has been. Update us and, and give us a synopsis of what this latest information entails. Well, uh, to, to recap the allegations, uh, it's important to note that uh, Han Don, in response to our questions, confirmed that, yes, he did have a conversation uh, with China's consul general in Toronto. He confirmed that he brought up the cases of uh, Kovrig and Spavor in prison mm-hmm. in China. Our allegations from national security sources were that he uh, recommended, as you said, uh, for partisan reasons, uh, China's government should not immediately release the two Canadian prisoners. Uh, the, the, the Liberal Party had a plan, and yet uh, the, the allegation is he went on to say there should be uh, some progress shown. So extremely serious allegations, as you know. He, he rose, he stood, stood down from the Liberal caucus. He said uh, he counters these intelligence source allegations and will defend himself. But uh, you're right to be stunned with the story. It's incredibly shocking allegations. And we have seen uh, in the House, there has been, uh, as a result of this story today, now a vote uh, wrote, uh, put forward by the NDP uh, calling for uh, a broad inquiry into foreign interference. And it just passed in the House, about 179 votes to uh, 149. So whether that whether it's a binding vote or not, I'm not exactly clear. But uh, the elected uh, representatives of, of Canada have spoken. Due to this last story, uh, they are saying we need a public inquiry and nothing else will be sufficient. Uh, there are some out there, and this is what's so sad in all of this when we get this sorts of div- divisive politics, uh, Sam, is that all of a sudden you start questioning institutions, all of a sudden you're selecting what information you're going to believe. What do you say to those who say your sources are anonymous uh none of this this is all uh, alleged now before you give your answer thomas mulcair said today on ctv news the fact that nobody is denying it is the confirmation because it is of top secret origin what are your thoughts well uh as you know since last november uh we've been breaking exclusive stories stunning stories they they don't always and most of them have not pointed to specific names and circumstances. Uh, No one has countered that uh, a number of uh, candidates were targeted for influence in the Toronto area, at least 11 in 2019. Other media has reported on a broader and apparently more complex scheme of interference uh, in 2021, as you know. And uh, my sourcing has pointed to that as well. That is some MPs uh, attacked uh, uh, harassed, targeted by Chinese intelligence on Canadian soil, other MPs supported in a broad campaign. And let's add, this is not just about election interference. We've reported deeply on allegations that uh, some of the very suspects that our reporting has said are connected to clandestine funding of certain candidates in 2019 are currently targets of RCMP police station investigations in Vancouver and Toronto. 
So uh, you're right to, to just raise the point of a, a politician that said no one uh, is really countering any of the evidence. And certainly the only one countering evidence in this most recent story, again, MP Handon says he didn't say certain things that intelligence sources are alleging, yet he confirmed he had a conversation. And on the other hand, the prime minister's office has confirmed they were not aware of this conversation until my questions to them. So there's, there's a lot of facts there. There are still, uh, uh, of course, people uh, will, will have a chance to defend themselves. And yet this is a public interest matter of uh, extremely high importance. Uh, when we talk about uh, crises to Canada's national security and general uh, allegations of corruption, I'm asserting and suggesting that this series of stories, not just by Global News, but others, ranks right up there in Canada. And at the end of the day, if the if the prime minister is is stunned by all of this, as the rest of us are, the rest of the, of the country is, couldn't he say to CSIS, what the heck's going on? And CSIS, and I'm, I'm, I'm being hypothetical here, CSIS would say, well, you got all the information. I mean, there's nothing for them to confirm either way, because there it is. Well, part of our reporting, as you know, has, has been uh, sources have come forward and said there were numerous briefs to uh, the prime minister's senior officials going back to 2017. One of our stories uh, uh, reported on a, a brief requested by the prime minister's own chief of staff. This, this brief pointed to uh, Beijing's election interference. Furthermore, we know now a report has emerged in Australia that that government had exactly the same in information that uh, Beijing was targeting all levels of the Australian government. But it's very important to look at the differences in responses. Australia, uh, we've reported, many know that they have the most, probably the strongest uh, laws against foreign interference in the Western world now as a result of the information learned by their government. Our government has the same information, much the same threat. Uh, but uh, evidently uh, and apparently on the face of it, we don't have the same laws. That's the matter right there. So uh, obviously, uh, and we've heard in your reporting and such, this was to favor the liberals. They want uh, CCP, Chinese Communist Party, wanted a liberal minority. But they've in Don Valley North, they uh, these allegations are against the MP, which we're hearing about now. And the MPP last week, he's he's since uh, left the conservative provincial conservatives uh, a while ago. How, explain why both parties, what they're trying to do here. Well, it. it the information that's come out in my reporting and from others, and I can, I'll just tell you about my sourcing and intelligence documentation. It, no one will be able to, to counter that Beijing is targeting all levels of government, all major parties across Canada, and it is very complex. Uh, what's at work here is that Beijing wants MPs, no matter what party, to be uh, subtly representing Beijing's foreign policies and interests in Canadian government. So Canadians need to sort of uh, take a step back and toss away their ideas of standard Canadian political party lines and say this is about the Chinese Communist Party. Again, this is not about uh, people of any country. It's about a party that's asserting its policies in governments around the world. And our, my reporting is Canada is one of the most vulnerable and, and, and targeted for this activity. 
Sam Cooper, a national investigative journalist for Global News. Uh, his story uh, breaking again yesterday. Uh, Liberal MP Han Dong secretly advised Chinese diplomat in 2021 to delay freeing of the two Michaels. This story has an incredible impact, Sam. Thanks so much for the time. I know you've had a busy day. Be well. Good luck. Thank you. When there's an issue, Scott is all in on getting to the heart of it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 CHML. As we reported on this show yesterday, we just had Sam Cooper on, national investigative journalist for Global News, who broke the story about the uh, Toronto MP in Don Valley North, who um, um, uh, um, apparently through CSIS uh, leaks, we have found out, uh, had said to the uh, Toronto consular uh, that um, uh, of, of China that they should delay in releasing the two Michaels. Uh, if they do it too early, it will benefit the Conservatives. Uh, joining us now to talk about all of this and where do they go from here, Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture expert. She's with us now. Alyssa, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Thank you, Scott. How is this playing with the average Canadian, especially when you bring in the two Michaels? Well, you know, when you bring in the two Michaels, there's a whole different tenor to uh, to this entire story. And I think that people were looking at these allegations from Chinese interference. I think they were taking it with a bit of salt, but a grain of salt. But, you know, the two Michaels was a media story that everybody knew of. Um, everybody, while it was happening, everybody felt that it was horrific. And it, it really tugged at the hearts of Canadians. And especially when they were finally released. I mean, it was quite a joyous occasion that, you know, we all felt like a little bit a part of. Um, and now when you bring in the two Michaels into this scenario, this whole tenor and this narrative and these uh, the potential of these allegations, it takes on a whole new spin, Scott. And, you know, I think it threw everybody for a real loop last night. You know, it was interesting when Will originally called me last night on the story. It was it, it, only global had broken it. I know, I know. Anything I know. about it. And I kept Googling it, thinking, yeah, where's yeah. everybody else in on this news cycle? Why, you know, obviously they need to catch up. So a lot of the media outlets, just from a media perspective on this, a lot of the media outlets were obviously, maybe they had heard something about that, but nobody really pursued it. Um, many of them felt maybe they were caught flat-footed. So if you look at all the uh, reports now that are coming out, especially in the daily, like the Star and the Globe and Mail, you know, if you start reading it this morning, I think that everybody published it around 2 or 3 a.m., to be quite honest. Um, however, you know, the tenor of those stories, Scott, is that for them, for these other outlets that weren't privy to this initial information, these are still un- uns- unsubstantiated uh, allegations. Yeah, I thought that. I thought, and you know, knowing the media game, because you didn't break the story, you're not going to sell it, right? But here's the fascinating thing. On that note, CTV political commentator and former uh, liberal, or sorry, NDP leader Thomas Mulcair said very, very clearly, because people are going, "Well, they're just allegations. We don't really know." And he said, "Well, you're not going to get proof because it's top secret." What the real uh, the real point here is that. Nobody is denying it. And the first person that should say something would be the prime minister that goes to CSIS and says, hey, CSIS, what the hell is going on? And, of course, CSIS would say, you know what's going on, sir. We gave you the reports. So he said, don't look for people to prove these allegations. It's top secret. Who is going to deny them? And the only people that are denying them are the individuals involved. That speaks volumes. 
Well, it certainly does. And I think that, that the first move that I wanted to see was what was going to happen with that particular MP, Han Dong. Like, how would, you know, remember, 24 hours before that, Scott, he was denying any interference I at know. all. Uh, okay, so he went on this big sort of media narrative tour saying, you know, I'm clean. I'm not being influenced in any way. And then suddenly the allegations drop. And I did watch his um, speech in the House of Commons today. Your thoughts. And I've been dying to ask you that. Go I ahead. Tell, tell me. You, if he's lying, then that, I mean, he was hysterical, to be quite honest. The, uh, Alyssa, he was, he was crying. It. He was crying, and there are no tears. I watched that clip over a half a dozen times. He's crying. There are no tears. And at the end, he goes to wipe his face. There's nothing there, Alyssa. There are no tears. You know, it's interesting. I didn't look as closely as you did. But look again. And I'm thinking I will, obviously. But, uh, you know, I am thinking, you know, he's very broken up about this. And, and obviously, so the first well, thing no wonder. the government is, he got caught, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but on both sides, he's, he's caught from Canada and from the Chinese Communist Party. Well, I know, Scott, that when I heard this story, and I know that Will wanted me on the show, I thought, okay, this is like, Scott's going to have pom-poms at this point. But... Um, you know, I, I think the truth the hurts. Is, well, maybe, you know, the, the other thing, too, is, is that it's not that everybody's going to not run the story, Scott. And it's not that everybody is not going to do it because somebody else broke it, because that, this stuff happens all the time. You know, I remember back in the day when, you know, Robert Fife uh, was with, I think, CTV before he was with the Globe. And. He was the one breaking all those stories coming out of the Senate. Senate remember, with a yeah. census scandal and Mike Duffy and Pam Wallen, et cetera. So there's always some reporter that has their nose to the ground and that has really, really good contact. But I, I have to say, I, I wouldn't be the, the jaded, you know, realist that I am to wonder, you know, why this reporter? Why this story? And why now? Yeah, yeah, so I absolutely. Have to ask that question. I have to ask that question. You know, I will be honest and say this is not the highest profile government, you know, public affairs reporter out there. He's been doing the, this stuff, honestly, though, Alyssa. He's been doing this stuff for years out of British Columbia. I've had him on the show for at least ten years, starting with, with whether it's fentanyl, whether God, it's uh, the laundering of money. Yeah, I know, not but it, it's but he he was he was power in politics. Yeah, but he was saying like that, you know, it's slowly coming east, and I mean, he was right. He was right. I don't know. I think it's a very odd choice of reporter. I think I, I, I and I think it. that's and I think that says something about the CBC and the CTV. I think that's what that says. But at the end of the day, Thomas Mulcair's. Uh, words were were important and that is nobody is denying it because everybody in 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 situations of power and leadership know the answers well you know it, it's interesting that thomas mulcair talks about this and it's interesting that somebody um uh, interviewed him about it i'm not you know you always have to wonder how the third party commentary comes about unless it's he's a regular commentary on he's a le regular commentator on ctv he does it every day so that was his yeah, comment so, for today so, Oh, exactly, exactly. But I think that what he says, and somebody who is the leader of the party would absolutely know the ins and outs of that. Yeah. So all, all to say is, will we ever get to the bottom of the situation? No. 
Um, I think there'll be all sorts of deniability. Yes. I think it'll be interesting to know if they're going to um, create more a more far-reaching inquiry. You know, that will be absolutely huge. And I think at the end of the day, you know, this is something that's absolutely going to, you know, tie the sitting government up in knots, which is a bit of, you know, catnip to the opposition, because usually they're the people who are all tied up in knots. So I think it will be interesting in the coming days, Scott, how this all plays out and that we should pay really, really close attention to the narrative, whether it's to tackle the situation head on or it's all about deflection. I think this is the absolute biggest issue like this there has been in an awfully long time. I think this is incredibly damaging. Alyssa, thanks for the time as always. As always, Scott. Late Wednesday afternoon, Global News reporter Sam Cooper broke a report uh, that two separate anonymous national security sources uh, say that in February of 2021, liberal MP Han Don of Don Valley North, who came at the center of the Chinese influence allegations for a couple of years, privately advised that uh, China's consular general in Toronto that Beijing should hold off freeing Michael Kovrig and Spaver. If they do it too early, it favors the conservatives, leaving it later to the election, although the CBC did say they weren't sure why it would favor uh, the Conservatives, but it's it's all about timing. Uh, this is a very bizarre story. Let's bring in uh, Jeffrey Dvorkin, Senior Fellow, Massey College, former Director of Journalism at the University of Toronto Scarborough and author of Trusting the News Media in a Digital Age. Jeffrey, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Thank you and I hope you are too, Scott. So far, so good. I just want to get your take off the top. What are you what are your thoughts of this the, the, in, in the reporting that's gone on? It's a heck of a story, if it's true. And the problem for me is that there are a lot of leaks and innuendo here. And if it's true, it is a hell of a story. Uh, but at the same time, um, we don't know the sources of who's leaking this information. Is it coming from CSIS? Why is it, if it is, is this what CSIS should be doing? Um, and the other thing that worries me is that it casts a pall over the Chinese Canadian community. Uh, and, and I think that the, the member of parliament, Han Dong, has done the right thing in uh, stepping out of the caucus. Uh, but now what's required is some kind of clarity as to what did he say, when did he say it, to whom did he say it. Um, and. In fact, if there is undue influence on the part of the government of Peking, Beijing, then that needs to be addressed uh, at the highest levels of government. But right now, all we're doing is, uh, I think we're, we're, we're entranced by this story, all of us, myself included. And I think what just we need is, is more evidence and more verification. Uh, Thomas Mulcair said on CTV News, he's a commentator for them earlier today, and I found this very revealing that he said, people are looking for verification of a top secret story, which was leaked in the first place. So asking for that is pretty much a moot point. He said that what was telling here was that nobody was denying the story, whether it's within the Liberal Party, whether it's with the Prime Minister himself, or whether it's CSIS. And all the Prime Minister has to do is go to CSIS and say, what the heck's going on? And CSIS, of course, will say, well, it's already out. <laughs> so, um, uh, again, it's not so much that this top secret source needs to be verified, because that will never happen. It's that nobody else is denying it. Your thoughts? Well, I think that's a fair point. And the fact that no one has 
denied it other than Han Dong himself, who said that he wants to clear his name. And I think it's now up to up to the government to set something in motion whereby uh, Han Dong can clear his name or in or Han Dong has to be very aggressive about this and, and launch some lawsuits uh, to get to get all this clarified. If he doesn't do this and he lets this kind of sit there, then it, there's a kind of sense that where there's smoke, there's fire. That's 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 as far as, far as I'm prepared to go. But it is it's it's a very disturbing story. And it happens at the same time within the, the same few days that the New York Times did a story that uh, Jimmy Carter, when he was president and the uh, Americans were held hostage in Iran, and someone from the Republican Party had a meeting with Iranian officials saying, don't release them until Ronald Reagan is elected because you'll get a better deal from him than you yeah. will from Jimmy Carter. So mm. this is there. there is precedent here about how uh, domestic politics tends to intrude on what should be a straightforward humanitarian uh, rescue mission. Um, and so we're seeing the fact that this has come out at the same time as the Americans in the New York Times have revealed what was going on in the Republican Party way back when is very interesting to me. And also happening all of this on a day where the U.S. president's arriving, that can't be helpful. Well, I think we are in a different time and environment than we were even six months ago. The nature of the relationship between Western countries and Russia and China has hardened uh, quite considerably in a very short period of time. So if this is, let's, I'm going to put my cynics hat on, which is never too far from my head. Um, if in fact, uh, CSIS wants to put pressure on the government to increase spending on military, on the military budget in this country, that this is not a bad way to do it. Oh, Jeffrey, that's quite a stretch, isn't it? This is a massive story. This isn't about helping policy and such. This is national security. You're talking about another country interfering in our elections. I mean, you know, uh, do you think people are looking, uh, they can't believe this is happening, so they're looking for another avenue to prove it's not true? And if you're CTV or CBC, are you not asking yourself, why are we not on this story? Exactly. And I think that there is... Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the Trudeau government right now at many levels. This is just one example of the critics of, of Justin Trudeau uh, starting to raise issues of doubt and suspicion. And this is actually quite a good one. This, uh, this story, as they say, has legs, and I think it's going to go on for a while. I, I find it fascinating. And I don't think it's a lot of everyone else. I think it's the current party shooting themselves in the foot. It seems to be they're lighting the fuse. Uh, I got to let you go, Jeffrey. Well, let's talk again about this because it is a fascinating story. Jeffrey Dvorkin, senior fellow, Massey College, former director of journalism, University of Toronto, Scarborough, and author of Trusting the News in a Digital Age. Jeff, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. My pleasure, Scott. Cheers. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. 
Two articles from Christian Leprec have appeared in the National Post this week covering actions by the Chinese Communist Party in Canada, one dealing with espionage and interference, the other addressing the Chinese Communist Party's use of groups like the United Front Work Department's Overseas Chinese Affairs offices to harass Canadian citizens of Chinese descent. We have to get to the bottom of this. We need some clarity. Let's bring in Christian Leprec, professor at both the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University and fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. Christian Thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm always great when I'm talking to you, Scott. Good afternoon. Uh, Christian, you know, I'm just a radio host here, and I this news came across uh, the screen the other day, and uh, we were floored. What were your thoughts when you ha- when you heard this story and, and the, the MP stepping down? Yeah, it seems to be a rather slow-burning fuse with the current government. And, you know, no pun intended, a little bit Chinese water torture. You know, uh, every couple of days we get some new revelation here, and yet then it takes the government a very long time to act on it. I mean, it's not... It's, it's perfectly within precedent that any time there's a concern, for instance, about serious concern about a member of parliament, their ethics and so forth, uh, that they would sit as an independent until the air can be cleared. Given that it's long when there were already concerns, uh, legitimate or not, around uh, this particular parliament, I was surprised that, you know, we that action wasn't taken uh, taken earlier. And, you know, this is one, one news story. Uh, we have no way to triangulate what was said here. But, um, you know, if you look at the broader pattern here, there is a host of challenges to our democratic institutions, our democratic system. Um, and I think the government looking slow to act on them is bad news for the uh, confidence the Canadians can have in our democratic institutions. Some supporters of the PM had said that, you know, um, uh, this is a leak. These are allegations. These are no way to be proven. Thomas Mulcair said on CTV today, former NDP leader, that it's top secret. You're not going to hear any verification of any of this. Plus, it's a leak. What, because nobody's denying it, that's the tall tale sign. What about the fact that this became or came from a leak and, and, and Sam Cooper's reporting on this? Do we believe him or not? Well, I mean, Sam has written a well-crafted book on the topic, Willful Blindness. So it's not like Sam just picked up this story yesterday and ran with it. He's well acquainted with it. Uh, He's written about it for years. So I think that's one data point. Uh, I think more broadly here... Uh, is is the, the the so so yes we can triangulate it but let's look for instance at uh, whistleblowers leaks scandals in the United States in the United Kingdom also in Australia and it turns out that those whistleblowers they have a lot at stake I mean they face serious jail time they could bring down the government inadvertently and of course it's injurious to national security for them to leak this type of information because now our allies will have doubts about Canada being a leaky ship when it comes to intelligence so people are putting a lot on the line here when they share uh, this type of information and history suggests you know other five eyes partner countries when there have been these whistleblowers and these leaks Initially, governments deny, they vilify the media, and then sort of as people start digging into it, it turns out that there was a whole lot more truth to it than the government gave it credence at the time. And so what about countries have resolved this is through public inquiries. And I think yeah. the corollary to this is only public inquiry can ultimately provide us the transparent answers that Canadians are looking for. Obviously, the MP, the allegations around this MP was that he suggested uh, to the Chinese consular in 
in Toronto that they delay the releasing of the two Michaels uh, to better suit, obviously, their needs as opposed to the Conservatives, making one look better than the other. How does that settle with Canadians? And what if you're the two Michaels, uh, Christian? How are you How are you digesting this information today? Well, one of the two op-eds that you mentioned, the first line in it is that, that China now poses an existential threat to the democratic way of life in this country. Mm-hmm. And if the allegations here are true and we have a member of parliament advising against the release of Canadians that are being essentially held hostage at the time by an adversarial hostile foreign government, that, to my view, is very much undermining Canada's democratic life, uh, way of life and the rule of law in this country, and, of course, uh, the best interests of the two Canadians involved. And so uh, I think it will provide further fuel to the fire uh, if it turns out that, uh, that the reporting here is accurate. Uh, there might be some repercussions from those two Michaels. Would that be accurate? I certainly don't want to speak for them. Uh, well, I think certainly if I was the two Michaels, I would be uh, certainly calling my lawyers because if we have a government of Canada that has said it has always acted in the best interests of all Canadians, especially when they're imprisoned abroad, and it now turns out that one of the government's own MPs is working against those best interests, um, I would think that, uh, that I would want to hear my hearing here, both before parliamentary, uh, parliamentary committee uh, and, uh, and in a court. And look, I mean... Uh, the public inquiry will be able to piece together many of the issues and pieces that are kind of coming out in drips and drabs here. And I think uh, the government is realizing that uh, this is becoming a high-risk endeavor, and they'd rather not have, I think, uh, some of these stones turn over. What about CSIS commenting on this? Would they say anything? Is it in their best interest, or does that come from the government? How does that that work? Should CSIS speak up? So... CSIS is a security intelligence organization. As such, it provides assessments to the government of Canada. It does not make decisions, and it would normally not make policy recommendations. It might develop policy options for the government if specifically asked to do so. But, of course, CSIS here is now uh, on the hot seat in terms of uh, the, the challenges of what can a CSIS director on the one hand divulge to the public, but at the same time, um, it's, it's not unusual that intelligence organizations can find themselves in a situation where uh, they're, it, they're either in the position where governments are not acting on the intelligence that is being provided, or where, for instance, in the case of the Iraq invasion, intelligence is sort of somewhat questionable that's being provided. So controversy around that is not unusual. But the way we resolve that controversy is through proper accountability, governance, and transparency when it comes to security intelligence. That's why we have the, uh, the National Security Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians. That's why we have the National Security Intelligence Review Agency. That's why we have the Intelligence Commissioner. Um, but it appears that the Prime Minister, unfortunately, has decided that... Uh, Uh, The NISCOP report uh, will go to him rather than going to Parliament. He could have provided the opportunity for them to report directly to Parliament and thereby provided transparency. Unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, he did not consult with the opposition parties to appoint a rapporteur that would have broad consensus among all parties in Parliament. And so I think uh, politics, once again, seems to be taking priority over transparency and maximizing legitimacy. 
I only got a few seconds left here, Christian. The House of Commons today voted for a public inquiry. That's the opposition, and we understand some liberals. It's non-binding, so uh, there's no real teeth there. What do you think the next steps are here? Well, a public inquiry is going to take a long time, especially on this topic. Uh, so uh, the key here is also we need some answers before the next election because clearly some changes need to be made to our system. Um, uh, but uh, I think the prime minister is trying to uh, get through uh, probably the budget uh, initially here and trying to sort of hopefully, as uh, this government always tries to change the channel when things aren't going according to the agenda that they would like to set. So the prime minister, I think he is trying to buy himself some time in the hopes that sort of this will die down and sort of this will become sort of uh, page six news as opposed to front page news. Um, the reality is, of course, that this is a uh, issue of subversion that uh, government should be taking much more seriously. Christian Leprac with us, professor, both the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University and a fellow at the McDonnell Laurie Institute. Fascinating turn of events, Christian. Thanks for your time. Be well. A real pleasure, Scott. Have a good afternoon. If Scott Thompson isn't satisfied with an answer, he'll delve into the issue until he is. You're listening to Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 CHML. We certainly know uh, what has happened over the last 24 hours in regard to a report about an MP, a liberal MP, who was talking to the China Consular General in Toronto saying, hold off freeing the two Michaels uh, till it better favors them instead of the Conservatives. That story has just literally exploded today. uh, The NDP, uh, with a procedure they have, uh, basically called for a uh, another call for a public inquiry. All of the opposition parties agreed to go along with this. And from what we understand, a couple of liberal MPs to find out what happened today. Henry Jasek with us, professor of political science, McMaster University. He is with us now. Henry, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm doing well. Thanks, Scott. So what happened today? The MDP forced a vote in the House of Commons on what's called a concurrence motion uh, procedure in House Affairs Committee. And off it went. What happened today? Well, I, I think essentially the uh, opposition in the uh, in the uh, up in Ottawa all got together and they say there's a real big problem here and we gotta we really have to get 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 to the bottom of it and basically uh, you know shed light on on uh, on these allegations because more and more of them are coming out uh, and while they are oftentimes the people releasing them we don't know their names or know their doc documents but what impresses me about what the uh, the reporters are getting from these people is, is very, very uh, detailed information, you know, very specific information about about things that are happening, and and uh, you know, it, uh, it that that sort of lends credibility to the fact that this is an important issue. Uh, yeah, we're hearing a lot of allegations, secret sources. People are thinking, do we believe these reports, what have you? But Tom McCare from CTV, a former NDP leader, said it this way. Uh, it's top secret. You're not going to hear verification. But what speaks volumes is nobody's denying it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's true. I, that is a problem. You're, you know, doing. You can do investigations w- with non uh, with non government people, or, you know, businesses or labor unions or whatever you want. But when you're dealing with uh, our intelligence uh, sources, um, you know, uh, agencies, we're not going to get, you know, 
very much out because they're going to make the argument that in fact they can't they can't put this yeah. information yeah. You know, out because it's going to compromise uh, Canadian sources of inf- of information uh, against or you know the various people who are being uh, and the various organizations from China that are being accused of trying to interfere with our politics. So that that's the diff, that's the problem. But if people, but if you have an investigation and you call people who have factual information and they start are going to give testimony on this, then then that you know that really is pretty pretty important, and it's probably going to lend credibility that there you know that something has to be done here. Obviously, this is non-binding, but just is it significant just from the optics here that everybody's thinking this way in opposition? Well, that's true, but I mean, what also, but it puts pressure on the, uh, you know, on the government because it is a minority government, and if the, uh, if the NDP is with the other opposition parties and saying this is important, we got to do this, and there's some, you know, some stories coming out saying that some of the liberal MPs believe we need to do this, that it's getting out of hand, that you, you know, basically, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't use half measures and, you know, trying to look at this problem. You know, the government has to, you know, and the parliament has to really take it extremely seriously because of the amount of information that's coming out. Uh, Obviously, the the farther this goes, the deeper it goes, the worse it it appears to be getting. Is Mm -hmm. this time for the liberals to look for a new leader? Well, I don't know whether a new leader or not, but but certainly they have they have to look very closely at the at, at their relationships, you know, with with these uh, various people who are named, and uh, essentially re- I think we have to reassess our uh, relationship with China. I think that's at the end is going to be that way. Is we're going to have to really reassess it because you know the the factual information being put out. This, you know, it's, it's, even though it's not anonymous, it's very compelling because of the, you know, the, the, you know, the high detail that, that we're getting out of these reports now. What do you think is going to happen in the next week, Henry? And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you think? Well, I mean, I I think all uh, many of us, who certainly me, I mean, certainly me, would you know surprised how quickly this thing is blown up, and every day there's more and more stuff coming out that just reinforces the idea that we have a big problem here. And I think, uh, and I think uh, we, you know, there are there are non um, intelligence sources that can tell us about some of these things. Because, you know, there, there are, you know, activities that go back over 10 years that, you know, there, there is a record of these activities. And you just start, what you know is you just pull them all together and you start seeing a, a picture and, and, and it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't look very good. Henry Jasek with us, professor of political science, McMaster University, the politics of the day. Henry, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. Okay, very good. Thank you. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Obviously, we know the story about the liberal MP Han Dong and the allegations from the Sam Cooper article in which uh, he was to have said to a consul, uh, a Chinese consul in Toronto, uh, delay releasing the two Michaels uh, as if you do it now, it, it favors the conservatives. This story all breaking just as U.S. President Joe Biden is coming to Ottawa for a sleepover. He's here tonight and is uh, no doubt arriving, if not already arrived. To talk more about all of this and how this complicates the issue, Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor, Political Science, Carleton University, and with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. 
Oh, thank you. Same to you, Scott. Before we get into the Joe Biden aspect of this, any comments on on what's transpired in the last 24 hours? What are your thoughts? I mean, this is I was stunned when I saw this. You'd have to specify which this. There's so yeah. much happening in the world. <laughs> Good point. Pardon? Good point. I was referring, obviously, to uh, the two Michaels connection to all of this. Yeah. And, and how is that going to resonate with Canadians? Yeah, I'm going to do some, take a, a different take on things than has uh, been presented so far about the various stories we're probably going to cover. The big story right now is, of course, Joe Biden, the president, is coming with an entourage to Canada. And suddenly we have this other issue. But I'm going to suggest, actually, these issues are quite linked. Uh, The visit by the U.S. president is uh, being treated as, oh, why did it take so long that he get here? And we're going to fix the problem of softwood lumber. But actually, I think the meeting that is about to take place should be seen primarily, not only, but primarily as the high, a high table meeting of wartime allies. Uh, the, mm. This is a security summit in a sense. And that security summit deals very heavily with the, uh, as it's been put, the struggle between democracies and autocracies. This is a lot of, to do with, of course, uh, Russia and Ukraine, but also China. So there is definitely a link here, I think, to what's uh, the other story you want to talk about, which is the sudden revolution. A sudden revelation by a, a respected reporter who's broken many stories, uh, Sam Cooper. I don't happen to know him. There's no personal connection here. But uh, the startling story that a, a sitting member of the federal party uh, actually counseled, and he happens to be of Chinese background, uh, descent, counseled uh, the Chinese government to keep holding our two hostages until uh, until it didn't uh, help the sitting party. So these this is these two stories are linked in the sense that we have a, a vastly changing and very um, as we as the, we've said in writing a disruptive emerging power in, in China, uh, backstopping Russia and their illegal invasion of a neighboring state in Ukraine. This is a geopolitics session you and I are having, the geopolitics of the arrival of the U.S. president, coming here with the Secretary of State and the an advisor on uh, Homeland Security and the National Security Advisor. These people aren't here for window dressing. They're here to mm. talk about the changing geopolitics of the world, our, our role in it, the combined partnership between the U.S. and Canada. And this story about the sitting MP who possibly and allegedly, uh, according to, as he puts it, uh, unknown sources, uh, did have some role to play with China. This becomes a geopolitical story. So uh, where does this go from here? I mean, how, how because I, I'm sure the president's been well briefed on all of this. He's up to date as to what is uh, going on. Um, what advice, what would he be saying to the prime minister, do you think, on this? One of the other than uh, other than, gee whiz, I'm really sorry this is happening to you now because this is a pickle. No, I, I think it's well, well beyond that. I think there's. Uh, again, what hasn't been picked up a lot in the discussion of the arrival of the U.S. president and his entourage, which has gotten almost no notice at all, is the fact that the prime minister and the president are having a lot of private time or personal time, uh, time when they can discuss things very frankly and off the record. Also, that's uh, 
an opportunity then for our senior officials to meet with their senior officials. This is a security summit in a lot of ways, and a lot of it does deal with China. The It's not going to be a gee whiz, did that really happen? But we know the Chinese. This is all off the record stuff, and I'm paraphrasing what I suspect is the conversation, not not what we're going to hear publicly. We understand the nature of the geopolitical struggle that's going on, the rise of China, and the way it wants to be a superpower. We know that they are intervening. Uh, things on the agenda right now are publicly in terms of the of the. Um, remember, there's no published agenda. <laughs> we just pick this up for the media. Yeah. But one of the things that definitely is being discussed is the U.S. wants to talk about with Canada about the modernization of NORAD. Why is that suddenly so topical? Well, <laughs> there just was a Chinese surveillance balloon drifting across Canada and into the U.S., and it was a NORAD issue. The U.S. is going to ask, apparently, that we speed up the modernization and the upgrading of NORAD, which Canada has already announced. So there is definitely a Chinese, in a sense, undercurrent to all of this. I think also a lot of the Biden conversation, and this is in the press, uh, is, is all about trade and very accurately, I think, is being portrayed, but not in the context that I'm framing it right now. There's a lot of concern that the United States under Joe Biden has becoming even more protectionist. They're putting trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars into the modernization of the United States under several different bills, but the Inflation Protection Act in particular. Canada's response, Canada's response I believe, is going to be this isn't a trade issue. It's, again, a security issue. If you want friend-shoring, if you want reliable supply lines, if you want critical mm. minerals, then we are your ally, and you probably need to adjust your um, Buy America rules to make it more Buy North America. It'll be fascinating to see what happens by the end of the week and how we're digesting all of this. Elliot Tepper with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University, The Day in Politics, and that's as broad as we can go because it is everywhere. Elliot, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. We'll chat again. I'm looking forward to it, Scott. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Let's bring in Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show. You can read him in your Hamilton Spectator. He's coming up after the 6 o'clock news. Scott, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm well. How are you doing? Good. Let's pick up the story from where we left off yesterday. This was all breaking just as you were uh, mm-hmm. coming on, and I was leaving the air, and you tried to call me back, but I was in a little boy's room, so I didn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> i got to remember to turn my ringer back on after I'm off the air. Well, you know, when, all when, right. the, when the show is done, sometimes you got to download some files. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. You are, sir. All right. Um, your thoughts on what has transpired? We had Sam on earlier today. Man, uh, many are saying, some are saying, well, we don't know if we believe this reporter, who, of course, has at least 10 years of this reporting, all being accurate. And Thomas Mulcair said something very valuable on CTV News today. He's a commentator there now, the former NDP leader. He said, you're not going to hear people verify any of this because it's top secret. However, what is telling is nobody is denying it, including the prime minister or his party. Uh, except for the member Except himself. for the individual, yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh, it, there are parts of this that as this has, I mean, again, when you and I came on the air yesterday, 
um, I think we were both having a hard time figuring out what to say, honestly, because it's such a understanding the background and the story of the two Michaels and what they went through and everything else. It, it, the, the idea of it is just so stunning. And yet you're right. There are certain parts of this story that gain credibility. For example, when the member himself now says, well, yeah, I did. Apparently I've heard, I've read. Yeah, I did have that meeting. Sam said that he did talk to this person and that he also talked about the two Michaels. He just said what was said wasn't sad. But so when, so like it would have been a much easier denial if the point was, well, no, I, are you kidding me? I talked to who, where? No, no, that's not the, so, and, and, I mean, I don't work in government, Scott. So a lot of these things, when we do the show, I'm asking the questions like you are that that I'm interested in because I don't necessarily know all the mechanisms or machinations. And I'm thinking to myself, well, can any backbencher just go and talk to foreign ambassadors or whomever? Like that seems to me like something if you are going with MP attached to your name, you are a representative of the government and you would probably – not be doing that normally, I would think, unless you were asked to or so. I mean, again, this this all starts to make a million more questions about, okay, so was this a, uh, is this a person who went and spoke rogue to the Chinese ambassador, the Chinese, uh, whatever he's called, the, um, uh, the person he spoke Consular. to? Consular. Consular. Yeah. Is it, was he, did he just go and speak Consular, yeah. rogue to the person or did someone say you could go and do this, but he didn't say what he was supposed I mean, who knows, but ev- you're right. Everyone other than him has gone into the get smart cone of silence here and yeah. and now we we have you know a vote that says well now now the house of commons everybody except the liberals and even a few of them i understand now say yeah, yeah. you know we probably should have an inquiry really you think yeah what about stepping down who do you think the prime minister should step down or at least look for another leader? I mean, this is pretty serious stuff. You know, and people are trying to compare this to other political things. I mean, this makes blackface look like a, a, a you know, a choir boy prank. Uh, th- look, there, uh, t- to me, uh, we can always be surprised. This story is all very surprising. To me, there is less chance of Justin Trudeau stepping down than there is of you and I growing an afro by the end of my show tonight. I mean, it's not going to happen ever because the second he does that, uh, it's an acknowledgement that everything he's said was actually not what was right. So there's no way that that, that I don't, don't you think, think. Don't you think that's coming anyway? I mean, that's coming anyway. I mean, how far, how much more can he run? I mean, he's been caught so many times. But how often, how many more times can the liberals say, yeah, this is a good idea? But Scott, you're, you're correct, of course. And yet Canadians continue to say, ah, but it doesn't bother it. me. It doesn't bother me. I'm fine with yeah. all of this stuff. And, and I mean, look, I, it, I understand that some will say, oh, Pierre Polyev is terrifying. Think of the horrible things he would do. Yeah, the horrible things he would do are what the prime minister has done. It's not a theory. (laughs) So we've got one person who you're scared might do something horrible. You've got someone else who has done things horrible. And we say, I'm more scared of the thing that he might do than what has been done. That that to me doesn't make a lot of sense. 
That's just political team BS. It really is. And less than 2% of Canadians even acknowledge belonging to a political party. Uh-huh. You know what happens? The, con- the country goes left, and then we get tired, then we vote to the right. Then we get tired, then we vote back to the left. Then we get tired, then we well, vote back to the right. Yes. As it happens in the United States, it happens all the time. Yes, so except again, for two parts you of our do country. Not, you do not have to love Pierre Polyevra in order to vote out uh, Justin Trudeau. You didn't have to love Stephen Harper or any of the other last leaders. It's people have enough of the leader. And I would say next. Uh, see, uh, maybe, but I, I see no evidence. And there was even a poll that came Yo, out right. today or yesterday that said that if there was an election, basically the liberals and conservatives are tied. How? And, and again, my point is with all the stuff that's happening and now this – who is saying at this point, I'm not, you're not actually going and casting a ballot. You, this is a theoretical vote. With all the yeah. stuff going on right now, who can possibly say, oh, unquestionably, I'm going to vote for the Liberal Party right now, right now? Because we don't, there's all kinds of stuff. If we have an investigation or something, and yet they're doing just fine. And in southern Ontario and out in the Atlantic provinces, they will do just fine. It apparently doesn't matter what happens. So um, I want to tell you before you go, because I know you got to run, I did uh, one lighthearted thing for today. Because, I mean, it's been mm. so serious. One of the greatest memes I've ever seen has been posted on social media. Are you a fan of The Office? Yeah, whatever. Sure. All right. So, well, <laughs> it's a it's a picture of the Chinese leader, and it's now what's going to be uh, for Justin Trudeau. It says, that's what she said. Ah, uh, <laughs> there you go. We'll leave it at that. All right. Thank you, Scott. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.